Kia ora mai tātou, no mai hoki mai ki te kōnei pōrangi a Māori in Engineering me Shannon te huia o Ngāti Mani Poto. Ko tēnei te hōtaka te te kaumāwaru. And plus, um, pollution's a funny thing. It doesn't know where the mana of one hapu starts and one, <laughs> one ends. Welcome to the Māori in Engineering podcast. With Shannon te huia of Ngāti Mani Poto, this is episode 18. Ko Elise Lysa my name is Elise Lysa. Shannon is an environmental engineer. After his studies, he worked for his iwi, the Ngāti Maniapoto Trust, and is now Te Pōtāhuhu, which is translated to the ridge of the front wall in a marae, so it kind of says the, um, the position or the, the, the influence that he has of Pūnui River Kia, where the kaupapa is restoring the order of Pūnui Awa, while providing employment and work experience opportunities for local people. Pūnui River Care's vision is safe places, healthy water and healthy people. This corridor centres on things like what does it mean bringing Māoridom out of the marae and in other spaces for us all to use? What does it mean to feel like you're kaitiaki in a wairua sense but not in a physical sense? How can we be both? He also sent us his kōrero on how can we lead our people and empower our people day to day on the ground. I hope you enjoy his kōrero with Tefano. Ngā mihi kia koutou katoa. Mauri ora. Kia inoi tātou. Tokoa tu wairua ki a rere ki ngā taumata. He arihi a tātou mahi. Me tā tātou whai ngā tikanga a rātou mā. Kia mau, kia ita, kia kure ai ngaro, kia pūpuri. How are you doing? Hey, pai ana. All good. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us on the Modern Engineering Podcast. I um, yeah, we've had had a few reschedules of this time but I'm real really really happy that the time has come to record with you and to hear your story and I'm really excited for everyone else to hear about who you are as a person what makes you do what you do every day um because yeah it's mm. so, so valuable and I'm just really excited to hear it so um so first thing that I ask each manuhiri on the podcast is ko wai koe, no hia koe ihoa. Oh, um, <clears throat> oh, ka huri taku titiro ki te nehe nehe nui, ka whakawhiti atu ki mōkau koha nui, ko ka huere te maunga, ko mōkau te awa, napi, tapi, napi napi te marae, ko pare kāho ki te tūpuna whare, ko pare te kaua te hapū, uh, ka huri whakararo taku titiro ki te tehi o parongi a maunga, ka whakawhiti atu ki kake puki, Kāno mai ki te hewe o te kainga ko puke kawakawa tērā, ko te awa o whare kōrino, e rere atu rā ki roku o pūni, ko te awa o pūni, awa kaukau ngā wahoiho ngā waka, ko mi ngā tangata, ko manga tō tō te marae, te aroha o iho o te whare kōrero o ngā tūpuna, ko whare te kawa te hapū. Te ki ai te kōrero mō kaukiro ngā tāmaki ki raro pare waikato pare hauraki, te kaukauro pā tētere, manga tō tō ki wainganu, Thank you so much, 
Yeah, moody order. Um, yeah, that's about my uh, my pepeha and it's full and tyrants. <laughs> awesome. Lots of different strands and branches that make you you. That's awesome. So I hear Ngāti Maniapoto. I I Ngāti Maniapoto, um, te, te nehi nehi nui. Um, so um, my family is from both the, the southwest region to the northern region of Ngāti Maniapoto. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot of uh, uh, links out to the coast, um, up Hawhia. And yeah, um, just the, just the tile um, and, the, and the relationship with the, the Maunga, the Awa. Amazing. So did you grow up around Te Taiao? Um, in a way, yes. Always, we grew up with our hands in the dirt. Mm. So um, yeah, so we grew up with, with our grandparents um, when our parents were working. It was the holidays and a lot of our weekends with grandparents. And um, they always do a lot of gardens. <clears throat> so I think that's where I've decided that I wanted to do. Um, I wasn't really keen on, um, you know, a lot of manual labour. Mm. <laughs> so, and and I found that I, uh, my grandfather picked up that I was good at fixing things. So um, I found that as being, um, yeah, kind of way how to get out all the hard money that my cousins had to do. So I'd... He put me in charge of fixing up his little miles when I was about 10, 11 years old, or fixing up his boat motors. So I was given an opportunity to work in using all his tools and our old sheds. And all my cousins had to go and sew all the spuds and um, pick up all the horse manure <laughs> over the paddock. So, uh, I felt quite special. And I mean, I just, yeah, I just, I, I, was, I was keen to use um, the skills that I had. I was a tutu and I was able to get things going, which mm-hmm. helped. And I think, yeah, he saw that as me being of some use. Um, and so, yeah, um, that's kind of where I thought my path of engineering started was um, tutuing with small motors and, and um, you know, um, getting things working so it makes the jobs easier out in the field. Yeah, problem solving. Mm, yeah, that's the one. That's awesome. Cool, cool that that kind of came out when you were 10, 11. Farah, and you've only kind of, you're, I, I'm sure your um, aspiration to problem solve or um, willingness to problem solve has very much always been a constant, but just the problems that you're solving is so much greater than the lawnmower, not that the lawnmower problem was small. <laughs> um, yeah. And I also heard in your paper how manga towards marae. Did you? Yeah, yes. We, um, there are families from marae that, um, that are known as um, ahika, and so what happens there is they are responsible for um, upkeeping and uh, maintaining the marae. And so... Um, different families take on that responsibility over a period of time and when I was younger my my grandfather had that responsibility for quite some time and so um Amarai's got a huge they've got a lot of lawns a lot of gardens and, and a lot of buildings here so he had a small tribal grandchildren that would help him um do that stuff and for us it was just normal mm. um, it was just a normal part of life we didn't see it as anything different um so we always felt like that was our home um, 
And so, yeah, while mowing the lawns with our hand lawnmowers, we would just enjoy that space. Um, would be surrounded by, um, by the reo, would be surrounded by doing things Māori, by thinking Māori. Um, um, you know, there's that, the, the belief systems, everything, we were just um, entrenched in it. Um, we had the river right next to us where it was very, um, where we would swim. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of where we got away to play and where we, if at times we wanted to get away from our grandparents, we'd hide down by the river and swim in it. <laughs> we had really good childhood memories, you know, like we all do of the environment. You don't have to be Māori to have those memories. Everybody loves the environment. So. But that's where we had our space. Um, that, was the, that was the access that we had to that, to that space. Um, the marae being the refuge of what we know as Māori tonga, we were always there, so um, yeah, that, that's that's kind of the foundation of the way I was brought up. Mm. But yeah, like went through sport, played rugby. Was you know, so that that was a big part of my life. Rugby. My grandfather was a very keen rugby player, so we always got um, likes from him when we were good at sports. So, you know, we're always trying to compete for granddad's um, approval or his, you know, his shine. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there would be like 10 of us cousins at the same age um, all with him at the same time trying to compete for his love, um, trying to best um, understand him a bit better. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it. Do you carry him with what you do today? Yeah, definitely. I mean, his his influence on me has been the key. Um, has been key for where I take things. Sometimes in this day and age, I find everyone's guessing. A lot of us are guessing on how to navigate life, and for me, it's drawing what I know from his simple teachings that have given me strength to do some of the things that we've been doing. Because you've got to have a lot of confidence in what you're doing to be able to make bold moves. And um, yeah, I find confidence in myself because I know that that's what he's taught me to do. Mm. Mm. That's awesome. That kind of reminds me of the like, yeah, Fakatoki of Ka Fakatomuri Te Hari Fakamoa, because you walk mm. backwards into the future with your eyes fixed on your past. So that's everyone who's also within your past. Um, so that's, yeah, for you, like your granddad drawing strength, moving forward with him, him there too. That's, that's awesome. What, what, I suppose, what made you get into engineering? Yeah. So I think leading into engineering, um, well, for me, I've been very entrepreneurial. Um, obviously I could solve, solve problems and I was good with my hands, you know, technically, able, I was good with computers at a very early age um, and so I was able to be very quite entrepreneurial I didn't really look, settle for um, you know, just doing what people told me to do um, and so leading up to engineering I um, I was doing a lot of boat building, we were designing um, designing race cars it was, it was cool and I think out of that, through my 20s um, the key thing that I learned through all my life experience was that I could honestly just achieve anything that I put my mind to. 
I mean, and then when you come to that point in life, like you're just like, well, what do I want to do? When you come to that realization, it's just like, far out, man. If I wanted to do that, I could do it. Mm. And so, um, you know, I would have been about you know, late twenties, and at that point, I was thinking, what's really important to me? So that took me back to, you know, spending time with grandparents and the values that they had. You know, and it was about feeding people. I mean, we used to like feed half of a small suburb called Kiki, like dropping off food, dropping off firewood. I would have huge gardens and just put it at people's doors. He'd he'd employ large groups of people to do hay, to do firewood, you know, providing jobs. And so I saw the value of um, what business can do for communities. And so I thought, like, it would be good if we could provide lots of jobs in this community. Well, that's one thing. I think I actually what I think came first was the importance of of, of the river and the time that I spent on the river, mm. and looking at it and thinking, um, you know, like I love what I love surfing. It's one of those reflecting moments. Where you're like, what do you love about your life? And I'm like, yeah, I love water. I'm always in it. I've got wetsuits. I've got all this stuff that always lands me in water. I love eeling. I love fishing. I love I love all that things about water. So, okay, what do I what I want to do, well, I want to, um, you know, dedicate the rest of my life to trying to, um, you know, improve the water situation. Mm. So that's that's what I got. And then understanding that you're going to need a lot of people to help do that. You're going to have to mobilise the community. Um, like at, at, at that age, I knew nothing about civil engineering. I knew nothing about um, water mechanics, hydraulics. I knew nothing about geotech, like far out, but I was like, I've got, I've got some huge knowledge gaps yeah. <laughs> that I need to quickly close here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so how do you close these gaps of knowledge that you need to solve a problem? You go and learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I looked at the universities and I was like, oh, they didn't have it. You know, well, actually, I rang the regional council and I said, who, who? Who's responsible for making sure we've got really, really good water? And so it was regional council, and then I'm talking with their lead engineer, and I'm saying, so what's the problem? And so I sat with him, and he t- talked to me about it. And then I just asked him, well, what's your quality? Like, what do you do? And he said, I'm a, I'm a senior engineer. And I said, well, okay, then for me to have what's in your head, I need to become an engineer. So that's kind of what led me to um, going back to study engineering. Mm. Yeah. And just because I didn't have the, the skills or the, or the tools to arm me with facing this huge problem. I appreciate the cardinal of closing the knowledge gap because a lot of people, um, yeah, go into education pathways to get the degree and not really, it sounds really weird, but to get the degree rather than this emphasis on that rather than acquiring all of the knowledge that comes with that sometimes, I think. Mm. Um, and... So that's really cool that you kind of got your sounds as though anyway, your purpose first and then made yeah. up what you needed as well. So I suppose just like tangibly, how did you do that? Where did where did you gain your education? How did you do all of that and fit it all in? Yes, yeah, so I I enrolled at the Waikato Institute of Technology. Uh, I had a small like I've, I had I think three yeah, I had three children at the time. So my ability to travel to Auckland or to Canterbury was quite limited. Mm. And um, Waka 
three uni at that point didn't have an engineering um, faculty or they didn't have that um, course available. Mm. So I went and did the diploma at Wintech, which was, which was hard, to be honest. I think the, to be honest, I didn't do well at school. And the first exam I've ever done in my life was at Wintech, and it was a it was a um, it was a physics exam. <laughs> it was that was honestly the first exam I've ever done in my life. Like yeah. you know, I had I had no time for school. Um, you know, I just wanted to like get out and build stuff. Um, so yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, being an adult learner and learning how to learn. Mm. Well, it was tough. We had so many people come straight from school and they were just fly through. But um, it, was, it was a challenge. Um, and so, yeah, we did, we did two years at, at Wintech and then I did some part-time study um, through the Open Polytech through the University of Southern Queensland, their paper, um, a few of their papers. But I'm a real, I'm a real whole heart. If I'm finding that it's not going to help with the problem or the or the solution, I, I just get bored. I'm just like, well, this isn't really going to help me clean my river. Like all of my reports, all of my anything I could do was always directed towards my river. Anything through study. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm more focused on trying to get a result for the environment as opposed to trying to. Um, you know, have a lot of qualifications. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I've jumped, you know, I did, I did a year of te reo Māori because I was just finding it way, way too hard to communicate in the spaces that I was in. So I, I took a year off and did Te Paita here at the University of Waikato. Um, you know, and even now I'm like, there's huge knowledge gaps around ecology that I have, you know, and we're deep in that space. And I'm like, well, I need to do some papers around ecology. I think I'm not sure if that's the way education is heading, but I think that's definitely my preference is to uh, get micro credentials mm. on your path to designing solutions. Yeah, and adding, kind of being efficient in what you're adding and your intentions are and what you're intentionally learning as well. Hard out, like, I mean, I'm going to be involved in reviewing a policy document um, <laughs> for the, for the Waikato River. You know, and I'm, like, I'm not a policy analyst. Um, so calling all my, um, you know, my life experiences through developing the co-pop that we have, but but the term, the terminology and policy is just so foreign. Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that a lot because I it's I am um, bigger on the whole like never stop learning and never stop. And I think just micro credentials give that depth of knowledge that it's hard to get from just talking to people. Um, so that's, that's, that's really awesome. Okay. So you've gone through WinTech yeah. um, and you've gotten kind of help to close that gap yeah. of getting your civil engineering yeah. diploma. What's next? How, how do you, what did you instigate from there? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So I, um, I approached our tribe, Ngāti Manipoto Māori Trust Board, um, and they were keen to employ me to uh, implement the geographic information system, GIS system. And so I got involved in working with the 
with the tribe um, for two years as a project manager, um, which was an awesome insight into the people um, that belong to different parts of the Rohe. Um, it was a good insight into the, um, the higher level agreements they have with local, regional and even central government. It was a good insight to know um, some of the conversations you'll be you'll, you'll be involved in some of the forums that are happening at a at a at a higher level, I guess. Um, this kind of shapes your thinking as well. Mm. Um, plus, you are like I was very engaged on the ground, so we had to design a t- system that were was able to capture um, and record um, um, historical information about places for RMA and to ensure that they were protected. Um, so that was that was really cool because you. You're exposed to, um, I, I guess, um, legislative requirements at this end, yet you're working with people on the ground. Um, so it was, yeah, the spectrum within that workplace was very huge. And because you're working with your, your iwi, like, you're very constrained by resources, so you have to do a lot of things. You don't just get given one job. you got so many jobs to do so little resources that yeah it just kind of you get upskilled in many areas mm. um so there that was that was an eye-opener for me yeah understanding all of that mm, awesome a few of the jobs that you were involved with there so things like gathering the historical information how did you do that like what did that look like um so I, I'm, I'm one to believe that if you've thought of it, somebody's most likely already done before. Yeah, I mean, true. you know, so okay. that's the first thing. Whenever I go to something, I'm like, you know, I'm not going to reinvent any wheels here. Um, let's look at what's happened. And so I, I researched this um, this system or this process in Canada. Um, and so what they were using, they were using GIS to... Um, capture and record information about these tribes in Canada, which allowed them to um, make decisions, environmental decisions on some of the things that were happening over there. Mm. And the, the uh, methodology was called uh, land use and occupancy mapping. So they would um, record how they these tribes used the land, how they occupied the land, all of the history about the land, and then it painted a picture in a map um, and so if there were any proposals that had to, that came within that area, they would they would have a narrative for every single thing. And what what they were doing was they were collecting it all and putting it into a centralised database so that it wasn't sitting in one person's head. So capturing and collating all this information, because sometimes when you go to environment court, you need to you know, build a really strong case. And so they're successful in doing that. So I, I implemented that methodology here I got in touch with the designer of the system and he helped me implement that over here so we were able to collect a lot of that information and basically put a cultural lens or let paint a cultural lens over the landscape using um, GIS mm. um, we're able to record a lot of those a lot of those history a lot of those stories a lot of those narratives um, you know so future generations you know when some of these people that know all this stuff aren't there future generations can go into this database and say, hey, this is why this place is special to us um, and this is what we need you to do. Um, this is how, engineers, this is how we need you to design something. Mm. 
you know, because, man, like, there was one instance where a significant rock was blown up um, because that the engineer had ordered a pipe too early and it was on its way from China and they couldn't put a bend in it. So that, you know, like, for the, if they had got that information a bit earlier, uh, yeah. you know, it would have saved a huge, I mean, this was on the news, there were people crying and everything was, it was a terrible situation. But I think these are the, the, some of those design factors that we need to take into account. It's not holding up development projects. It's just taking a, um, it's taking in that cultural lens of the landscape before we start putting pen to paper. Mm, enhancing the project as well, enhancing yeah. everything. Yeah, definitely. Mm. There's, um, there's some, you can learn some things from history. Mm. So that from people that have been there for a while. Hi, Tika. Um, so that database, is that accessible? Uh, no, so this is um, this was a lockdown um, version, mm -hmm. um, and then they have a version that they released to council to incorporate into district plan. Cool. Um, and so you'll have um, NZ, uh, NZ people, uh, New Zealand Historic Places Trust or... Um, yeah, there'll be there'll be a data set that's freely available, and but they're normally way off, like that grid reference. So they could be a kilometer out. But when you get down to the level of detail that you need, um, you know you need to be quite accurate mm. where these places are. And so previously we've had so much, we've had this critical mass of um, people who had this knowledge, but that's no longer there, and mm. and it's getting fewer and fewer. So the um, yeah, the opportunity to um, capture that was at that point in time, and even since that point, we've lost a lot of people that I've um, that I've interviewed in the past. I'm quite thankful that we've um, got that, and it was so cool because you do these do this do this process, and they just feel like this whole weight had been lifted off their shoulders. <laughs> yeah, like they've been wanting to like put this information somewhere for years. They felt like it was so heavy, and then. When you take it all off and put it into the system, they were just, they just felt like, it. oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it was an awesome project to work on. So I was there for two years after study. So how I look at it, I did two years um, studying Western knowledge and two years studying um, Mātauranga Māori. So I've, <laughs> I've done my time. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, yeah, yeah. Truly. Um, how have you taken the two different um, frames of mind with you? Like, what, did, what, what are some highlights or some sticky points that you've learned from that? Um, I love the things that I learned from doing my diploma in engineering. Like, I was just so amazed with um, some of the formulas that have been developed. Mm. Um, man, I just saw... I just saw opportunity for to incorporate some of the um, um, some of the some of the structures and some of the patterns into um, into into some of the decisions we make um, within Māori. Mm. Um, sometimes, um, yeah, there's so way too many intangibles that you kind of get lost in words. And I think for me, I was like. The common language that I'm seeing in here are, are numbers, like it's like a universal language, like mathematics. Mm. So it's understanding how to um, 
use mathematics um, within within the context of Māoridom would give us a better understanding of how we can incorporate both. I feel like, um, especially when we're trying to make decisions on, you know, what, what the benefit of something is, what the cost of something is, like you've always got to come back to number because everything just costs money. And so it's like, wow, what would the value of that be? And that's really hard with the money because the, the value is placed on different things and different things to different people. But mm. like, how important is that? Tuna? Put that into a number. How important is, you know, our, our urupa? How important? Because um, as Māori, we stay away from putting values on them. Yet I know that we have more value for an urupa than we do a borrow pit. So, like, you know, it's, it's, it makes it really confusing with an engineering when you can't get that, you know, put it into that number or to try and, you know, measure something. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I saw opportunities to um, some of the formulas that we worked in with highways and to try and come up with that, um, trying to benefit some of the things that we're doing along the river. Yeah, so how do we prioritise certain things? How do we put a cost on it? Um, how do we know if it benefits or if we're just, you know, doing something to make it look beautiful? Mm. So I just saw a lot of opportunities there. I'm not sure if they're right or they're wrong, but that's kind of what I came out of engineering with. Um, I know that some of my colleagues kind of thought I was a bit, um, you know, piggy-headed when I went in to work for the tribe because... I just come in with the engineering mindset about everything, you know, and it was really just black and white, <laughs> you know. It was just like bang, bang, like um, pretty, um, pretty sure about myself and how I wanted to get things done. Um, and then, yeah, I think if anything, working for the tribe kind of mellowed me out a bit and teach me to look at things from a different perspective. Um, made me realise a lot of the things that I'd learned growing up with my granddad. Um, and, yeah, just taught me to kind of just, just stop for a second, take in, take in things, but and don't move until you fully understand what people are telling you. Because you can go and you can talk to people and they can talk to you, but you're already set on what you think the, 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 you know, the solution is. Um, but I think you really need to fully appreciate what they're telling you before you can be fully confident. Yeah, so that, that was kind of the journey for me. So you're going to engineering like, wow, I've got all these tools and you just want to use them all. And then just, and then say so you're so, like, you know everything. And then say, so, and then you've got people talking to you, trying to guide you, mm. and you're not listening. Yeah, that was kind of a humbling experience, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just the whole um, focado on, that I really appreciate from that is that not everything is black and white. Um, do you think that's why I, and I really appreciate the, um, the thought behind using numbers as the thing that we put value is. Cause that is so true. When you're looking at a report, it's so much easier to quantify that. And do you think that a lot, um, maybe of the reason why non-Maori or, or and Poewi, or sometimes may steer clear of trying to 
understand Maoriism within an engineering context because it is so, it's quite hard to quantify in that sense. Yeah, that's just a whole different um, knowledge system. Mm. Like it, for me, it, well, it's not different. It, it's to grasp, um, to grasp the essence of the considerations that you take into account when doing a, let's just talk about project as an example. Mm. But to implement a project, to design a project throughout the whole project life cycle. Um, within the engineering, you know, you have, you know, your internal, your external constraints. You, have, you know, you go take on all these factors. Within Māori, though, man, you've got these, you've got wairua, you know, you've got modi, you've got these things that, um, that only certain people are, can guide and, and make you aware about these things. And so I think what you'll find is with an engineering project, you can, you know, assign a senior project manager to, to smash it out easy. But within, um, if you're doing a, um, a project with a Māori, then you, you need like, there's a few, you know, you need like, a, um, you need people that understand the wairua, um, you need people that understand the um, all the technical stuff, like a nerd like me that can do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need, I think you'd probably, um, yeah, those would be the main two. But then you, you kind of kind of also need someone that can take care of all the detail, you know, making sure all of the fine or all, all, all the little stuff's done as well. And then yeah, so I think. For a Tao Māori project, you need like to doing things in Tao Māori, you need like three people, whereas a normal project you probably only need one. Mm. Yeah, that's what I think it is because you can't, I don't think it's very hard to find those skill sets within one person, but especially with the amount of projects that are going on. Yeah, mm. yeah I think that's probably what I've realized. And the only reason that we've been successful with the project is because we have that capacity, we have that. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone that will advise on, on weight or stuff of key advisors for that. Um, yeah. And they, they do they do impact um, projects, um, whether that be through people, through the project itself. They have seen, of course, significant delays mm-hmm. in projects. I've seen them affect people. Um, so, yeah, not sure what the question was. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You answered that beautifully. That's a really cool insight. Um, I suppose a good interlude, um, or that nicely goes into um, kind of our next, maybe, I don't know, theme of this corridor is, yeah, what is your mahi now? Like, how did you get into that after working mm-hmm. for Ngāti Manipoto Trust? Trust? Yes, I think throughout that whole process, oh, mine, I was still, like, working for the Trust Board, I, I was still, like, I'm going to be the... Um, senior engineer at regional council, like, I'm like, you know, regional, like, you might call us tangata whenua as, as Māori within the area, but we don't know anything about that river. We know from the small stretch that backs onto the marae. That's mm. what we know. That's the only access that we have to that river, is small spots, but everything in between that, we don't know how it. So I don't feel like we were kaitiaki in a physical sense. Yes, in a way to a sense of kaitiaki, but in a physical sense, like, I couldn't tell you if it was healthy, if it 
with eels in there. I couldn't tell you what the issues were. People had information were working at regional council somewhere. And that's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be kaitiki. So I'm like, I need to go to be the engineer at regional council. And so we, um, and so throughout that journey, um, I don't know what it was. I think we had one of our partners, Don Scarlett from um, Mercury Energy now. He, he ran these tours at looking at small solutions for restoring water, waterways. And so I jumped on one of those with him. Um, he's a good friend now. And we went to this small organisation called Whangaro Havaki. And what this organisation had done for the last 20 years had been planting all of the little streams, wetlands, and tributaries that went into the Whangaro Harbour, which is Raglan, right? Mm -hmm. And this all came from, um, it wasn't even Māori, it came from a culture, it was a fishing culture. So they're, they're the fishing was um, declining within the harbour. So they all got together and all the farmers were fishermen, so they all wanted to do something. And so they cleaned up a whole harbour within 20 years by retiring stock um, and putting it all into native rivage. What that done was that they reduced the amount of sediment that was going into the harbour, which then allowed the little seagrass to grow, which is critical in the life cycle of little snapper. And so they were measuring that based on how long it took you to catch a photo of snapper in the harbour. And then when they started, like, it was, it took ages, like maybe six mm -hmm. hours. And then, yeah, for now you can catch your quota within, you know, within an hour. And so then for me, there was like, well, it works. Um, I also saw that that model, well, that solution there um, provided um, employment opportunities for people and I could see how that would enable more than myself to be involved in the solution. Mm. So me going to an in, going to be an engineer would be that's myself involved in the solution. I probably wouldn't leave even because there's no way you can influence council. There's too much bureaucracy. They're going to do what they're going to do. Um, so yeah, I knew revegetation was a solution. I knew the cause of um, impact on our on Punu was the introduction of, um, of the willow species, which were causing huge impacts to the water. Um, I, knew that, um, I knew that we needed to take the, the land back to a state at which it had been when it was clean. Mm -hmm. So there, we had all that historical context based on all of the mahi I was doing with the tribe. And so, yeah, I was just joining up all the dots. Yeah. Saying, well, well, I think that's the model we use, and I think, but I think it can be improved because I think what I think is even more important is that um, that we can um, incorporate that model, but incorporate and normalise tikanga Māori, reo, waiata, and all these other things. And then what that's going to then do is it's going to enhance the cultural capital of our community. It's going to enhance the water quality. It's going to enhance the economics of our community. I mean, I was just like, well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so I was like, well, that's way better than just becoming a senior engineer at Rajan Regional Council, you know, because <laughs> he was like, he was like tall, stale and pale, man. I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not keen to end up like that. Um, and I thought, man, this is an awesome opportunity. So started thinking in that space, testing stuff. And then I ran into some, some surfers, the bros, Sam, Judd, and James Bailey from Sustainable Coastlines. 
mm. had set up this really awesome um, um, social enterprise and they were cleaning up beaches. They were like smashing it, you know. And so they come and they're like, Shan, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to do this. And they're like, bah, is that what you're going to do after all those years? And I'm like, yeah, bro, we're going to plant trees. And they're like, yeah, we're into it. And then so, I mean, you know, James, um, Sam Judd, he's got two law degrees. James Bailey, you know, he's like fifth generation sheep from beef farmer, got a law degree. Like, they're, they're just like, what the heck? You know, we're going to pick up rubbish on the beach, mm. you know, because that's where the impact is. And so they're like, yeah, Sam, we're going to plant some trees. I'm like, yeah. But they know that they said, we're going to help you set up the infrastructure behind it. And so we set up an incorporated society. We got um, charitable status. We set up a board. Um, and then um, we we're like, well, who's going to be involved? And I said, well, Māori are funny because we get split up by our whakapapa. So we've got to be, you know, but this river runs through a lot of that whakapapa. Mm. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, I wouldn't feel comfortable and just... Um, involving my marae because it's bigger than just us and plus um pollution's a funny thing it doesn't know where the mana of one hapu starts and one, <laughs> one ends and like it'll come through no matter what it has no yeah. respect and so i was like we need to tell the because he's up the river to be on the same boat mm. and so i did a um i did a watershed mapping exercise um i overlaid that with all the marae and then it just pinged all the marae that fell within the um, with the watershed of the Puni. And I said, that's what we'll do. We'll, 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 we'll all come together. Mm. And our kaupapa is the river. And so we did a little mini mandating exercise. We went around to each marae and we said, this is what we're going to do. Do you want to be involved, get amongst it? Yeah, and then so we got four marae, uh, four marae on board. And at that point, um, a lot of people didn't really know what the hell we're doing. And so they were just like, oh, we trust you, Shan. You're doing good stuff in the community. Just go hard and let us know how it goes. And then that's what we did. We we had that trust, and trust is critical mm. for any aspirational project. You, the people that are in decision-making um, roles need to trust and invest in their people because that's what happened to me. Yeah, so empower, that yeah. whole empowerment aspect. Yeah. That's awesome. So this was in 2015, you established Punyu Rivercare? Yeah. So, yeah, we established Punyu Rivercare, which is a um, marae-based um, uh, kaupapa, um, mm. and it's, it's, it's not rocket science at all. I think people have been doing the work we've been doing for years. Um, a lot of people out there, a lot of environmentalists have been doing this work for years. I do think what makes us different is that because of my bit, because I have the insight into how big the problem is, mm. you know, and when you have GIS tools, you start getting an understanding of scale. And so I knew that this problem was huge scale. And so I think the rate we moved reflected that thinking, you know, the growth. Um, I think, um, yeah, also. Like a key point of difference that I wanted to make is that I wanted our, you know, just seeing our kaumatua um, um, give the knowledge over the time of the tribe mm. and seeing how that, thinking forward about, okay, we're now gone. Like, how, what will, how will that leave the country? Like, if, if that knowledge is gone, you know, because I go to France because I like to, you know, want to enjoy the French culture. 
people come to New Zealand because they want to you know, get an understanding of the culture and what would our country be if that culture was no longer around. And so mm. like, we need to try and find a way on how to um, keep our culture alive. So what do you do when you go into a marae? Half of us don't even know, but we know when we get a slap around the ears from our auntie for not being in the right space. But, you know, <laughs> you know, but nobody actually tells us this is why you do this thing. Mm. So we're really slowing back and, and checking ourselves and saying, hey, look, you know, there's a lot of us that have grown up here since we were five, and I still don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know what the process is. I don't know why he's talking. I don't know why, don't know why she's crying. I don't mm. know why we're standing up, sitting down. Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's just so confusing for me and I've grown up there. And so, so I really wanted to make sure that we um, we found a way on how to incorporate that into our mahi. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the beauty about being a social enterprise is that we're not driven by profit. So, yes, we have to operate like a business. We have to, um, um, like, pay wages and all that. But... Um, what we do is we reinvest in our the local in the needs of our community, and for me, it's our cultural capital, like it's declining. So we invest in um, people to teach us those things. Yeah. So, kind of a lot of the um, what I hear is about picking up the rako from the kaitaki before you. Yeah, pretty much. Well, trying to um, preserve. Um, the practices that we do on marae mm, mm. Um, and even be more bolder in taking them outside the marae. So, um, yeah, marae basically have been, um, you know, have been shelters for a lot of these practices, mm-hmm. but there's no reason why they need to be sheltered anymore. We should be taking them out. Yeah. And how... How has like how has it been to normalise tikanga Māori within what you're doing at Pūnu? How do you do that in your day to day? Well, it's key. I mean, you can refer to it as moral law. It's what we it's what we know. Mm. When everybody signs up to moral law and we agree that this is the way we do things, it's how you drive a kaupapa. Mm. Um And I think that's important to remember. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, and I'm going to touch on it. Your winning of the 2021 Kiwi Bank Local Hair of the Year, um, mm. because I, yeah, I remember seeing that and seeing that you were an environmental engineer, and I'm like, oh my goodness, we can engineers are awesome, <laughs> and mm. Māori engineers are awesome. So I suppose, what did that mean to you, winning or being recognised um, for that? That was huge. It was yeah. massive, like um, being nominated for it, like was mean. Uh, and I think it's only just um, kind of sunken in on how awesome that is for what we're doing. Because, mm. um, you know, like the way they judge those things, um, it's it's pretty it's pretty hardcore. So they they um, they judge those things based on impact. So it's really about so it's really numbers. How, like what's the impact that, that whatever I was working on was creating mm. and just to know that we got there you know so you know, it was just awesome and um, understanding the impact that our organization that our team have and that being recognized yeah it's just 
the kind of scene shows that my spine is like far out. Are we, are we there? <laughs> we making that much of an impact? Like, like oh. when I first got it, I was like, oh man, this must be just a popularity contest. You know, <laughs> I was like, I was like, didn't I was like, yeah, let's celebrate it. But I took it as a popularity contest. I was mm. like, oh, we must be the next cool thing, you know, which is which was all good. But then when I fully understand um, what the award's about, and it's not actually a popularity contest, not actually about what's in right now. It's actually about impact on people, impact on the environment, and impact on your community. Mm. And those those are stats, and our stats were huge. I mean, that's yeah, that that was that that's awesome to learn. Yeah, yeah, not exactly. I think it's amazing. The thing that you're doing is yeah, for te tayo and ngā tangata. So like all of us, everything that encompasses everyone um, is, yeah. So mm. I, I'm just in awe of what you're doing and the mahi that you're doing. And yeah, I'm really, really chuffed for you that it was able to be recognized within the Kiwi Bank Local Hero of the Year Award. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. How is it all going now? We've, you've kind of alluded to it throughout this corridor. Like yeah. what is... Where are you at with everything now? How is it? Yeah, so we're in the strategy space. Mm. So, um, you know, 2015, we had a, we had a strate- strategic plan, um, and that's all gone swimmingly well, better than mm. expected. Um, we've learned a lot, and our next strategy piece, uh, I think it's, well, it definitely has a hard focus on improvement. And like I said, setting a foundation, um, for the next generation and part of that Im- improvement is um, like zero waste like mm. when you run a, when you run an organization like ours you do see waste and you're like you know we need to really um, find a better way of doing what we're doing and that within that's going to come a lot of innovation mm. so that's quite exciting um, also understanding better ways on how we can lead our people and empower our people and um, and so that's that's pretty important. They they may not sound like really big things, but they are. Mm. You because know, I think too many people move too fast, and then they leave their people behind, or they haven't empowered their people to come with them, and then their people start dropping off. So I think just showing they've got a good focus on how we um, lead our people and empower our people, not only to achieve within our kaupapa, but to achieve outside of. In their, in their own lives, um, mm. I think that that was a that's really big. Um, yeah, and also looking at the challenges that challenges that we're facing um, around. I mean, like water quality is still on our like the Puna River is still our key focus. Puna River is is keen, but it's like what are other are there are there other things that we can do that we can do to steer this copper in a way that will get a um, get get better bang for the buck. What how can we do things more affordable so that we can increase scale? Yes, yeah, so I think we're still well, well I know we're still our copper is still the Puni River. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we're faced with things like um, you know we've got climate change on our door. We've got, I mean there's gonna be disruptions in in and business without within New Zealand because of things that are happening overseas. There's going to be things changed on farm. 
how can we be at the forefront of those solutions? Um, you know, how can we be more solutions orientated than, um, you know, negative towards a lot of the things that we're doing? Um, this isn't a, this isn't something that's happened over the last five years. This is something that's happened over the last 40, 50 years. So um, we need to be, you know, forgiving with each other within as a community. Mm. Um, and I think it's really tricky though is like um, groups are now defined based on belief systems and our belief systems are cross-cultural. Back in the days, like belief systems were based on race type of thing, you know, but now like everyone is just believes in different things. And so I think um, that's what I'm finding is like these, these groups made up of different belief systems are clashing. Um, and so for me, trying to steer this cope up in a way that doesn't really get caught up in it. Mm. Um, yeah, because, I mean, we need to keep tracking forward in order to um, keep, continue to make progress with our tayo. And she's, the tayo is very fast at regenerating. Like it's, okay. It's huge. Like, um, but we're just that much faster at stuffing it up. But um, honestly, like, we've, I've seen spaces that, you know, you just help it a little bit and it just mm. takes off. Honestly, it just goes. Like, even a stream can be silted up. You can get stock off it. You can plant it up. And I'm telling you, all it needs is a couple of hard as floods or downpours. And you'll go there and you'll see, um, you know, a gravelly stream bottom. Mm. Like, she, yeah, she like if you if you give it give it a little bit of a hand, um, she she takes off pretty fast. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty cool. If people are listening right now and want to support what you're doing, how can they? I think, um, well, I think in terms of supporting the purpose and the co-papa, I think that um, more engineers that dedicate their life towards the environment the better I think mm. to be honest I think we need to be solution solutions orientated towards the environment a lot of the engineers that I studied with were really focused on their careers being chartered being senior partner being like all of these things like making it in their careers like moving up that ladder as fast as possible was kind of what they were trying to do um, and that's cool but like I see my fellow engineers now, and yes, some of them are partners of organisation. Some of them are chartered. But we're living the same lifestyle. Like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, they're very happy. Like, we're living similarly, but yet, um, and I think they're kind of looking at my lifestyle and thinking, oh, that's pretty cool that he gets to go to his morai, gets to, like, you know, um, learn about his culture, and that's part of his job. You know, gets um, local hero award, <laughs> like all these things, and I'm like, wow, you know, I think my purpose has always been to uh, has been the environment. I think, like, to get behind our purpose of restoring the environment, it needs to be your purpose. You know, mm. so it, it honestly needs to. And I and I can tell you without a doubt, a hundred percent that, like your career trajectory will be a lot better than people that are chasing, um, you, know, their, you know, whatever it is, being senior partner of a, of 
for structural engineering thing. I well that gives yeah that gives me almost chills because it's like the whole um not that you're saying this but the idea of like if you chase the money the money will always run faster so it's like what are you actually doing what you're doing for mm. and I think yeah that's it, that's awesome I'm <laughs> I, I I don't really know what to say after that it's it's a beautiful um kind of thing for people to to hear to take away from this um because it's so much bigger than us yeah I, yeah it's very um very meaningful it's yeah you can you can go home and know that you've done your bit for the environment you know yeah that's pretty cool and mm. then like if you use your you know, if you're very clever, you can have an exponential impact on the environment, just one person, mm. one person. Um, you can either, you know, it doesn't matter really if you're just doing it by yourself or if you create a, you know, a whole army of 60 people that are doing it. Like it's, it's um, yeah, the, the engineers are naturally gifted to think in a um, problem-solving way and there's a shitload of problems out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I and I think they, they, they can't, some will be resolved in policy, but some need to be resolved by just the people that are doing it. Mm. I think yeah, they, they, those people are engineers. It's up to us to advise policymakers on good design, not for policymakers to advise us on how it's going to work. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Um, I suppose final papai for me is what would you tell um, say someone listening to this, someone who, yeah, rangatahi, who is mm. thinking about getting into the space, thinking about getting into an engineering pathway, mm. um, any of that, what would you tell them? I would say, without a doubt, no, you can do it. Like, um, don't ever feel like it, it's, it's, it's too much or that you're not cut out to, to go and study. Like I said, the first um, the first exam I've, I'd done was when I was 28. Like I left school at 15. So um, anybody can do it, anyone. Um, it's just it's just going to take hard work. And, I mean, the first step is going through the process of enrolling in engineering and getting involved and talking to people. I mean, if you can make that step, you're halfway there. Um, mm. But the road, the road is very hard. It's very challenging, and you're going to have to um, you're going to have to learn how to um, work in a team. Because I think the only re- way you really get through this type of um, tohu or this type of study, well, ninety percent of us, is if we get through as a team. There's mm. ten um, percent that are just super clever and they don't need anyone, but um, you know, yeah, and just. Yeah, just understanding that, um, and I just think that there's there's a huge there's, there's huge future um, opportunities for um, young people in engineering. Um, we all know that. I think that it's um, yeah, just don't feel intimidated, don't feel shy, don't think it's it's bigger than you. Um, just try and get to a space where you can, where you think you can achieve anything that you want to and then just mm-hmm. go for it. I mean, it's 
it's not an easy path, but it's a path that's headed in the right direction, you know. And as long as you just walk on that path, you'll be just surrounded by opportunities to get in amongst anything, really. Like, it's just so, you know, it's so diverse. Like, the world's really your oyster when you've got a toolkit of, um, you've got an engineering kit. Mm. That's what I'd say to the rangatahi. It's <laughs> an awesome answer. What would you say to yourself as a rangatahi? Is there any difference? Myself? Um, yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say, um, nah, nah. I think just believing in yourself, really. I think it took took a lot for me to believe in myself. Mm. Um, yeah, I think if I was to say something to my younger self. Um, it would be probably listen to your parents. <laughs> some some people are listening who maybe our parents are like, yes, that that is it. Yeah. That's the key. <laughs> listen to your parents. Yeah, I think that's that's important <laughs> for sure. Hoya no I'm all questioned out. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah. So, um, just what is? I mean, you're. You've talked about this topic for a while, and what are your thoughts on Māori and engineering? And is it growing? Is it is it declining? Is there more of an interest? And from a practitioner's um, point of view, what can we be doing more to support and promote um, our rangatahi into getting into engineering? Mm, no, awesome. Um... I, I think definitely it's growing in terms of interest within how can we do better to incorporate te ao Māori into engineering and how can we address the underrepresentation of Māori um, through of Māori within engineering spaces. Um, what I have noticed through this podcast and also just conversations with people um, is that people are wanting to learn, wanting to do better, but they just don't know how. Um, but I think, to be honest, we have so many, um, we have different ways of learning how to do better that maybe sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming and there's a lot of um, fluff that goes with a lot of what comes with having a lot of information coming at us. So that's kind of why I wanted to go on this path of sharing stories of real people doing amazing things and hoping that that's bettering and helping the conversation of uh, for people who feel either, yeah, one, two whakama to ask about how we can do better and two, don't know how to have all this other information, all this other kind of fluff coming at them about we need to do better, how is that actually going to happen? Um, and hopefully the space can enable that. But then also from a practitioner point of view, yeah, same sort of deal. It's, I really, really appreciate your focado on the fact that um, we need something to have it as a quantity to um, show the importance of te ao Māori within engineering because I think that is kind of the gap between engineers and how we better design for everyone in Aotearoa, which means incorporating te ao Māori into that um, because that just helps translate the thought process and the worldviews a lot 
easier. Um, so I'm excited for more spaces like that to keep coming up. I think we're never going to have like a full end point. Um, I think it's always going to be one, one step at a time. So I'm excited for that, but I definitely do think we're getting better if that answers mm. your path. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's, it's an exciting space because there's a lot of um, things that need to be done. And I mm. think, like I said, whenever we go through a process of, um, um, you know, trailblazing towards your new ground, I think the key thing we need to be is forgiving, mm. um, you know, and, and, and have a space where we can make mistakes. Because you know, um, it happens. And, you know, you can't be too rigid yep. around how we do things. Um, but I, like, I'm, I'm encouraged by where, um, where things are going and, and the types of um, forums that are being had. Mm. Um, I mean, it's, and the respect that's being shown towards Tao Māori values is, is getting better every year. Mm. You know, it's come, I mean, come a long way, you know, 10, 20 years, and they will come a long way. And like you said, it beautifies our design. Um, you know, and it provides, it's more than just infrastructure, it's more than just, you know, a project that, that has that, that has a modi, it mm. has a story, it has a narrative, and then that's what culture's about, and I think we're embracing that now as engineers and as designers, and anything that we do, whether it be a structure, whether it be a, you know, a system, whether it be mobilising a community through Pukaro, a common goal. Mm. It's all it's it's all engineered. It's all designed in a way that's inclusive of everyone. As as Aotearoa, as New Zealand. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm super stoked with where things are going as well. And just for me personally, just really trying my hardest to promote engineering to our rangatahi mm. um, through me. You know, because it all starts with you. You're the role model. We are all role models. So. Personally, promoting um, the awesome um, discipline, you know, and 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 for our Māori lens. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You are what you see. Is a lot of the reason why this space came about is that, yeah, you need those people to um, that reflect you or reflect who you want to be um, to then mm. aspire to be like them. So exactly, exactly. Hi, awesome. awesome Papa. Any anything else? Any final words we want to say before we close with Kakia? Oh, just a um, big mahi to you um, for, for, for for getting this all sorted for um, finally hooking up our um, <laughs> our appointment, um, but also for putting together this platform. I mean, I've looked at other ones and it's been awesome to put in and listen to other people's perspectives. I think kōrero, kōrero, kōrero is the way to go, you know, let's talk, let's mm. express our views and, um, you know, these are only my views, they're not the views of the iwi or the kaupapa or anything like that, these are just personal views that I've had in life. Mm. Um, and I think, like, it's just good that you've created a platform where we all get to express our views, um, you know, because we've all got something to learn from each other and I've certainly got a lot to learn. Um, I'll probably watch this in about 10 years' time and think, wow, 
Thank you so much for that and your perspectives on your on all of this. Um just really appreciate talking to you. Um and for the for context, if I know it was probably about like four times we rescheduled this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm real stoked that it's been managed to happen. Um and yeah, again, really stoked that. I would, yeah, just a real privilege to be able to do what I do here and real privilege to, be, privilege to be able to speak to you. I actually gave a talk on like last week for Tech Week about how we can utilize technology to um, better, better outcomes. But, and I use storytelling for that. And within, mm. within that talk, it was really cool. Someone asked me who my kind of dream person was um, to or someone who when I started it I really wanted to talk to and the person I said was you so I really appreciate it because I saw yeah ever since seeing like I said earlier um Kelly Bank Michael Hero of the Year Award that sparked me finding who more about you and so just yeah really stoked that um able to have a little bit of your time and I know it's really valuable so thank you for it and thank you for it all. Bye-bye.